here. Good to see you, saints, and glad to have, if you're here tonight, you're a visitor, and uh, we're glad you're here. Amen. You believe you're in a good place. You're in a good place where uh, no one will harm you here. No one will try to do you any kind of harm. We want good for all people. So, we're going to start in Isaiah 42 tonight. Shed this coat. As always, really need your prayers. Isaiah 42 and verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, uh, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth uh, and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Amen. Beautiful piece of scripture. Let's hold your place there. We're going to go over to Matthew the 12th chapter. Amen. Matthew 12 and verse 14, starting at. <clears throat> and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Excuse me. I'm in Matthew 14. All right, I need, I need 12 and 14, not 14 and 12. I didn't think it looked right. Matthew 12 and 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. 
A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your goodness. We thank you for being here with us tonight. We do pray that you would bless the words, Father, and dear God, that you'd minister to every heart, minister to us all. Lord God, give us each one what we stand in need of tonight. We thank you for being there for us and just, uh, just truly do beseech you for your blessings. The Lord. I thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God that he has come. I uh, thank God that these things which are said of him are true. And we want to focus on a specific part of this. I think we'll go back to Isaiah and get the part we want to focus on to begin with. He says in um, verse 3, he says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And the title of our message tonight is The God of the Bruised Reed. The God of the Bruised Reed. Amen. It lets us know here in verse 2, he says, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Uh, what's that mean? He shall not cry or lift up. Uh, lift up meaning to be exalted or to lift oneself up uh, or to cause his voice to be heard in the street. Jesus Christ came as the Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus Christ, he came as a preacher of hope and of mercy. He was not a revolutionary. He was not a demagogue. He was not a rabble-rouser. He wasn't trying to create a big scene when he came. He came to bring a message to people of hope and deliverance, did he not? That's what, that's what the thought is behind this. He shall not cry, because he did cry out at times, and he did uh, preach at times, and he was in the streets. But the thought behind this is he wasn't out there as some kind of revolutionary. He wasn't trying to overthrow uh, whatever was in existence at that time. He came to bring a message. He he was one of peace, and he came to bring hope and mercy. It says in the latter part of verse 3, He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Judgment unto truth. What's that mean? Well, I'll tell you what my thought on it is. In other words, he came to declare the Word of God as divine truth. We think of that. It's to bring judgment unto truth. Judgment means a verdict or a decree or divine law. So think about that. What did he come to do? To bring judgment unto truth. He came to bring God's law. God's pronouncement unto truth. God wanted to place his truth not on uh, tables of stone. He wanted to place his truth in the hearts of man. Amen. That's where he wanted it to be. Jeremiah 31 and 33 says, I will put my law into their inward parts. Amen. That's what God wanted to do, and that's what Jesus came to enable to be done. He came to bring God's law. God's judgment, God's pronouncement uh, of truth uh, and place that truth in the hearts of his people. Amen. So we can see from that, uh, uh, we see other examples of that, Hebrews 8 and 10 and Hebrews 10, 16, if you want to jot that down. Uh, we know that grace and truth came by uh, Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, so he came to establish a relationship with his people, to be close to his people, did he not? He came to draw people into this gospel. The thing we want to look at 
the most part tonight is this verse 3 where it says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Amen. What's that mean? Bruised means crushed, oppressed. It says, A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax. Smoking flax indicates a wick as it's just about to go out. So if we know anything about a reed, we know it's not, it's not real strong to begin with, right? And it's bruised. So it's crushed. It's just before coming apart. You know what? He's not going to hurt that. Jesus didn't come. He came to, to work with those that are broken. He came to help and to heal those that are broken. And even though, it's, even though that reed is crushed, he's, not gonna, he's never going to finish it off. You know what? He's going to try to help heal it. Even though that flax is smoking and it's, a, it's, a, it's about to, uh, the, the candle is about to go out or the light is about to go out, you know what he's going to He's going to nurture it. He's going to try to get some light and some heat going back in it. He's talking about us. He's not talking about reeds. He's not talking about flax. He's talking about the care character of Christ to, to people. Jesus came to heal. He didn't come to make a big show. He didn't come to raise a big ruckus. He came to heal and to deliver. He came to help. And that's what he's still here for. He's still here tonight to, to do that. Uh, he's not going to finish you off. You know, people, sometimes people get tired of things. And they just, well, I'm just done with it. But Jesus said, as long as there's hope, as long as he sees a flicker of desire in there, genuine desire, he's going he's gonna to work with it. He's going to try to nurture it. He's going to try to bring it back to life. And that's what he's here to do for us. That's what he's here to do for every soul. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 51 and 17. Really need your prayers tonight. Psalm 51 and verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Amen. A broken and a contrite heart. He's not going to scorn it. He's not going to disdain it. Uh, he's going to try to work with that. Amen. Do you have a broken heart tonight? Do you have a contrite heart tonight? God wants to help in that. He's not despising us. He's not looking down on us. Uh, uh, when we feel weak and when we feel like uh, uh, we're worthless, uh, uh, as, long as, as long as we desire to keep going, as long as we have that spark, he's not going to put it out, saints. He's going to keep working with us. Amen. God cares for his people, and he cares for the lost, and we want to address that tonight too. Amen. He's, he's gone to great lengths uh, that people can be saved and delivered. But let's look at a few thoughts here. Let's go to Luke 12. <clears throat> Luke 12 and verse 22. And he said, then he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Life is more than meat, the body more than raiment. Here's really the thought that we want. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? 
Amen. How much more does he care for us than for the, the creatures of this world? We who are made in his image. Amen. We who he formed and who he brought into being, how much more does he care for us? He says, and which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? Which of you by being anxious and worrying about something? Because that's what that taking thought means. It means to worry. It means to be anxious. Which of you by taking thought or worrying can add to his stature one cubit? My understanding of this is the stature is not talking about height, but the stature is talking about length of life. So which of you by worrying about it can add anything to your life? You can't. But God cares for us, and God is there for us. Amen. Another scripture says uh, um, uh, to, to, to not be anxious about it, but go to God in prayer about it. I believe that's uh, Philippians 4th chapter somewhere in there. Amen. Be anxious for nothing, but take it to God in prayer. Because why? When we go to him, do we realize he cares for us? Do we realize he loves us? Do, do we realize he wants what is good for us? Amen. He says, uh, if, if ye then be not able to do that which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Let's just drop down here a little bit. Um, verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind, be of a worried mind. Uh, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. And look at this. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And what's in the kingdom? Amen. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, all the good things that we have. Uh, the kingdom is really uh, with salvation, right? Entering into the kingdom of God. We enter into salvation. We are added to the church. It's his desire to give us all the good things that are available through the gospel. Thank God he cares for us. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5. Along with that, along with God caring for us, he wants us to care for one another as well, does he not? 1 Thessalonians 5, and we'll just start at verse 12. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly, that are insubordinate, that are disorderly. Iniquity and lawlessness is not tolerated among the people of God, is it? Amen. We're talking about something there. We're not talking about um, a, a bruised reed there. No, we're talking about something that's lawless. Those things should not be tolerated. But look what else he says. And we're, we're pretty strong on not tolerating those things, right? But look at this other thing. He says, uh, we exhort you, brethren, warn, warn them that are unruly. And he says, comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. This word feeble, this well, comfort, first of all, means encourage. And feeble-minded does not really carry the, the modern thought that we have of it. It actually means little-spirited or faint-hearted. It means encourage the faint-hearted. Yes. 
Encourage those that are cast down in their minds. Support the weak. Don't say, don't, don't uh, rake them over the coals because they're going through a hard time. That's not what Jesus does. Amen. He, he, he's not going to finish off the bruised reed. He's not going to put out the smoking flax. He's going to try to nurture it. He's going to try to help it. He says, uh, support the weak, uh, be patient, be long-spirited to all men. And God help us. God help us that we will be. Because I know in times past, uh, uh, it's, it, it would be real easy uh, to do some of these other things like uh, uh, the, dealing with the unruly and those that are, uh, you know, insubordinate and those kinds of things. But God help us to support and encourage those that desire to go on. I'm, I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a difficulty. And we all want to have the victory. We want to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof all the time, don't we? And if we're not, we want to act like it. So everybody will think we are anyway. But we go through some things, thanks of God. Amen. We struggle sometimes. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about giving in to the devil. I'm just talking about humanity struggle. I'm talking about the devil warring against our mind. And one of the things he loves to use most is our humanity against us. He, he knows, he, 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 he works against those things that we know we struggle with. But just keep in mind, Jesus wants us to go on. He wants to, he wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us. The Lord recognizes. Amen. God, here, let me start this. Uh, the, God admonishes the church to care for and aid those in weakness, those in times of despair, those going through hard trials. Amen. We should lift them up, should we not? Encourage them. The Lord recognizes that we will face such situations and times in our life. He knows that in our humanity, we are subject to the ebb and flow of emotion. We are subject to the peculiarities of our constitution, our makeup, our nature, right? And I'm talking about our human nature, not, not a carnal nature. I'm just talking about the way we're made up. I'm not made up like uh, Brother, Brother Goble. We're, we're, we're different in a lot of ways. My constitution is different. All right? And with, and with all of us, it is. Uh, uh, I inherited things from both sides of the family that goes into what I am. Don't really even understand all of that. Uh, I was in an environment that affected me to be the person that I am. I had situations and circumstances in my life along, on the, the last 66 years that have affected me and made me the person I am. And all of that is unique. We share some of those things, but it's largely it's unique to us. Amen. And some of those things will give us some trouble sometimes. Right? They will. Uh, in, introverted or too extroverted. Some people are too extroverted, I think. Some people are too introverted. Lack of self-esteem. There's just so many things that we deal with as humans. You know what? And Jesus will not cast us off for any of those things. The devil, will war, he'll beat us with a bat over the head with all of that stuff. But Jesus just wants to help and encourage and strengthen and bring us through and help us to overcome the things we can't overcome and help us to do better and, and help us to uh, uh, maybe be able to put away some of those things. 
but he's not going to despise us because of them. He cares for us. Amen. Let's look at Psalm 86. Let's see here, uh, 86 and verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God of com full, full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Amen. Uh, he, he acknowledges here the, the, the great compassion and graciousness of God. And that's the God that we serve. Amen. He's full of compassion, saints of God. Now, let, don't let me give you the wrong impression. God is against evil. and He's against sinfulness. He's against disobedience and ungodliness. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the things that we face as people. And God is compassionate on those things. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. And we feel like sometimes we're just, we may be just about burnt out with it. But you know what? God just keeps giving us the grace, giving us the strength that we need to keep going on. Psalm 145. Psalm 145 and verse 8. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Is that the God we serve? Amen. The devil will have, and this is where the devil's playground is. It's obviously in our heads, but... Uh, uh, the, the enemy would come when we're going through something, and what, what does he slam us with? You just might as well quit. You just might as well give up. You're not worth anything. You're, you're not able to do this. And not tell us all these things about us. Well, you know what? That is not God. That is not God at all. God wants us to keep going on. Even when God has to chastise us, it's never to get us to quit. It's always to get us to pick it up and keep going. Yes, he may have to correct us, but, you know, the devil, he plagues people's minds with this, this giving up business. When God will never tell you, that's not in his vocabulary to tell you, you just might as well give up. You ain't worth anything. No, sir, he'll chastise us. And we'll recognize that he's chastising us. And he always wants us to pick up and keep going. Right? Amen. Straighten, uh, uh, calm the feeble knees and straighten up and walk the path as we need to walk it. Let's look at Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 and verse 14. But Zion said, let me get verse 13. Let me pick that up. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, and who is Zion? But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me 
and my Lord hath forgotten me. That may be how we feel sometimes. But look what, look what God says. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And he says, yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Amen. Zion says the Lord has forgotten me. But God lets us know I haven't forgotten you. He says they may even forget their child, but I won't forget you. Amen. Christ died for us. He bore. He, we are graven. Those, those nails were for us, right? He did all that for us. He's not going to forget us and cast us off. We're of great value to him. Saints of God, you are of great value to God. He cares about you. He wants you to do well. I think about uh, uh, Romans 8 and 32. It says, He that spared not his own son, shall he not with him freely give us all things? Surely he will give us grace. Surely he will come to our rescue and deliver us. Jesus understands our deepest pain. He has empathy with they who seek after him. Let's look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, um, verse 12 through 16. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit uh, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, you can look at that in a positive or a negative side. You can look at it if you're, if you're fearful that, oh, God knows everything I'm doing. He sees everything going on in my, in my heart. But if you look at it in a positive light, you know that God sees everything going on in us. He knows every he knows everything every heartache every uh, every bit of uh, uh, problems that we're having in our life or in our person he sees it all and he fully understands it seeing then that we have uh, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities meaning our weaknesses. We have not such a high priest that cannot be touched. Amen. That cannot sympathize or empathize with us with the feeling of our weaknesses but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus understands the thoughts and intents of our heart. He discerns us like no man can ever discern us. He comprehends our heart and our needs in just a moment. Without a word being passed between us, God knows what's going on in your life. 
Amen. So we can come before him boldly, it says, meaning with confidence. Come before him with confidence to the throne of grace. What kind of mercy, what kind of grace to help do we need, saints of God? Or if you're here tonight and you're unsaved, what kind of mercy and what kind of grace do you need? Jesus wants us to come. Look what he did. Look at all he's given uh, so, that, uh, so, so that we'd have some place to come to. He wants to help. He's, he's calling for you to come. Let's look at um, uh, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Here again, this word care, what's it mean? It means anxiety. It means worries. Casting all your, if we want to lighten it up, we can call it concerns. Uh, casting all your anxiety, casting all your worries, casting all your concerns, he says, upon me. Because I care for you. And that means I have concern for you. Isn't it good that Jesus has a concern for us? He has compassion on our weakness, on our feebleness, on our frailty of mind and spirit. Look, Jesus too has suffered the hard trials. He's not, he's not relating to us as, as just a God, right? He's not relating to us just as the God. He's relating to us as having lived in the flesh. He's relating to us as having been where we are. Been what we are. It's the only way he could. That was the thing. Christ was the bridge between us and God. We couldn't approach unto God the Father. We couldn't approach unto him. One thing, because of our sinfulness, Christ came to show us the way. He is the way. He came to pave the way and show us the way to God and provide these things for us. And he cares for you. If I don't get anything else across tonight out of this message, I want, I want to get across that he cares for you. If you're here tonight and you're a saint uh, and you're, you're battling or you're struggling, whatever it is, uh, Christ cares for you. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you're, you're, you're in sin, Christ cares for you. Amen. There is no depth too deep that he would not reach to pull you out and give you a good life and give you peace of mind and give you joy in your soul. Those are the promises of salvation. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the... And saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Listen to that. This is, this is Jesus the Christ. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. That means intensely sad. My soul is intensely sad. Do you ever get intensely sad? Well, Christ has been there. He knows how to relate to that. He knows how you feel. 
even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh to his disciples um, and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, Why could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may pass from me, uh, this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. He was very heavy. He was distressed. That means distressed, anguished, and depressed. So was Jesus, was he going through all that? He was carrying quite a load. He was carrying quite a weight. And we say it all the time, and we know it. He bore the sins of the whole world on his shoulders, right? I don't know what that was like. I'm not going to try to speculate on what that. I'm not going to try to get all into the theological arguments of what exactly he went through. But I know this. It was, it was he very heavy and very hard. It was a hard thing. I know what my sins felt like. Now, I don't know if Jesus felt that. I'm not going to speculate on that. I know what my sins felt like. That was enough for me. I know that when I got them lifted off of me, how much joy and happiness and peace I had because they were gone. And I know how it felt just before I went down to the altar. See, I carried those sins around for years and added to them continually. And it didn't bother me a bit. And people do it all the time. They're going around. They're living their lives. They're, they got the load of sin on them. They're adding to it continually. It does not bother them at all because that's just where they're at in life. But when God opens your eyes and God helps you to see what that really is like and he, he, uh, you look in that mirror that God provides where you start to really see yourself and you start to see the, the, the ungodliness and the wickedness that is there and you start to realize the weight of that, then it becomes a burden. And that's the mercy of God. If he would show that to you, that would be the mercy of God. Jesus suffered all of this mentally before he bore the horrific suffering, both mentally and physically, of the cross. He suffered all of these things that he went through in Gethsemane. We won't turn there, but Luke 22 recounts, it says, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Being in agony. Agony means anguish, severe mental struggles and emotions. Jesus was there. The Christ. He was there. He knows what anguish is. He knows what severe mental anguish and emotional anguish is. I'm just going by what the Word says. You say, boy, that, I, Brother Sanford, I, you shouldn't be saying all that. Well, I'm just going by what the Word says. The only thing I've done is define what those words mean. That's what it said he went through. You know why he did it? One reason he did it, so he can be a faithful and a merciful high priest. So that when we come, he knows what our burdens are. He knows. 
And he doesn't just know and pass it over. Oh, yeah, I know what you're feeling. No, he knows and he's able to help. And he wants to help. That's the thing, saints, we need to realize in these times. He wants to help. We know he's able. Oh, I know God. He can do anything. But no, he wants to help you. Whatever you're bearing, whatever you're going through, he wants to help you. He saved us from our sins. He did what he did so we could be freed from our sins. Why? He wanted to help us. Well, he wants to help us in many other ways as well. Let's look at Luke 4. We touched on this last night. Uh, just um, It wasn't on our outline, but we just went to it because it was on our mind. So we just want to bring out some thoughts in it. Luke 4 and verse, we'll just start at verse 18. We see Jesus uh, in that, at Nazareth and he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he's going to read from uh, the book of Isaiah and they give him the scroll and he opens it and this is what he reads here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 21 says, And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. Jesus, look, the, uh, uh, we want to get this from that one statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is the only way. He is the only deliverance. He is the life. We have nowhere else to go. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're, and you're unsaved, uh, Christ is the way. He is. He is the only way. All these other things out here, whether it's ideologies or religions or whatever, uh, if Christ is not at the head of it, it's not going to take you anywhere. It's going to take you into deception. Jesus is the way. He is anointed by God. It says, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. In the natural sense, we'll take this poor in the natural sense, there is no rich or poor that God gives uh, uh, any, um, uh, any, any greater sense to. There is no rich or poor. There's no small or great. There's no educated or uneducated. The gospel is open to all people. The call of salvation is here for everyone who's willing to humble their heart, repent, and believe on Christ. Amen. Matthew 5 and 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No proud person ever got saved. That's the only thing. We have to humble our hearts. We have to acknowledge that we need Christ. Amen. Before we can receive the benefits of salvation. He says also here, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And let me ask something here. I have it later in my outline, but let me ask it right now. Do we believe, do you believe Jesus is alive? 
Amen. And, and if you're here and you're and you're not a, a Christian or whatever, uh, a lot of a lot of Christ, a lot of non Christians believe Jesus is alive simply from cultural influence, from Christian culture. I did. All right, I wasn't raised, I wasn't saved, I wasn't uh, a church-going kid, or a young person or anything, and uh, grew up and went out into what I went out in, but I believe Jesus was alive. Do you believe Jesus is alive today? Do you believe that the things that the Bible says of him are true? And that part is easily proven, isn't it? A lot of people say, well, how can you prove Jesus? It's easy. Just look around you. Do we believe that the things that uh, the Bible says about him are true? All we have to do is look around. Whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved here tonight, all you have to do is look around and you see the lives of all these people that have been transformed. They didn't just learn it. Amen. We didn't go through an eight-month course or an eight-week course or whatever uh, to learn the book, the little book and the doctrine and what we're supposed to do, and then we were accepted as in membership. No, we got an instantaneous transformation of our souls. Amen. And I guarantee you this many people ain't, ain't lying to you. Okay. We're not a bunch of liars in here. It either, it either happened, it, it's either real, or we're a bunch of liars. And we're not a bunch of liars. As well as many others who have received that. All right, so we know, so by that we know Jesus is alive. Right? Amen. By that we know he is alive. We can look in the mirror and we can see that we are new creatures, that we've been made free from sin, that we are servants of righteousness because we believe he is alive. So if we know he is alive, and if we know he is alive, we know that he loves and he cares and he delivers and he's there to help us. If he really is real and if he's really alive, he really does care for you. If you're unsaved, he wants to de deliver you. He wants to save you. He wants to make you a new creature. He wants to give you a good life. He wants to give you peace and joy in your heart. How do we know that? Because that's what the Word says. <laughs> that's what it says. And it, it's, we, we base it all on the fact that Jesus is alive. How do we do that? Does the word say anything about that? If Christ be not, alive, be not risen, you are yet in your sins. That's what the Bible says. If he be not risen, you are yet in your sins. Well, we're reaping the benefit. He says in one place, I don't know if I wrote it down here. He says in uh, uh, John 14 and 19, he said, because I live, you shall live also. So, if we're alive, let's reverse engineer here a little bit. If we're alive, then that proves that he's alive. If we're spiritually alive, if we've got this experience that Christ came to bring us, that proves he's alive because the life we have comes from him. He said it. Because I live, you shall live also. Where are we, are we alive? Are we spiritually alive? Are we not dead in trespasses and sins? Are we risen? Yes, we are. Therefore, we know Christ is alive. Now, 
whether you're a saint or a sinner tonight. And I don't know what all your needs are. And really, I don't know how to meet all your needs. Saints have needs too, you know. Saints struggle with things. Saints hurt. Saints have all kinds of things. I don't know what all your needs are. And I don't know how to meet them. But I know someone who can. Amen. He performed a miracle on me. He performed a miracle on you when he delivered us. And he's still able to do that tonight. Amen. He, he came to heal the brokenhearted. That brokenhearted means to crush completely, to shatter, to be broken to shivers, to tread down. To tear one's body and uh, to tear one's body and shatter one's strength, he came to heal the brokenhearted. The word heart actually implies our thoughts, our feelings, our mind, the the fountain and seat of all of our thoughts, passions, appetites, affections. What's broken in there? Well, saints of God, Jesus came to heal that. Did he or did he not? Is he alive or is he not? Are these things true of him or are they not? Does he care or does he not? Is he concerned with you or is he not? This is what he came to do. He came to heal us. He came to heal our broken hearts. Psalm 147 and 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Psalm 46 and 4 and verse 5 says, There is a river. The streams thereof shall make glad the city of God. City of God. Amen. That's Jerusalem, right? The church of the living God. There is a river. The streams thereof shall make glad, shall brighten up shall make joyful the city of God. Salvation and the Holy Spirit are likened unto a river in the Word of God. And God has placed within the work of salvation and through the power, the working power, the regenerating power, the healing power of the Holy Spirit, the means to heal whatever we are in need of. Amen. God help us to believe, to have faith in God and allow that river to flow over us, the healing power of it. Amen. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 and 3 says in part this. It says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I thank God I don't have to do this. It takes Jesus to do it. I, I, can't, I cannot reach down into the soul of a lost person and do anything, have any effect on them. You know what I'm doing here tonight? I'm just trying to point you to Christ. Amen. If we have needs in our heart of any kind, whatever they are, I'm just trying to point you to Christ. I can't fix them. I can't repair. I can't repair you. I can't even repair me. <laughs> and some things are just who we are. Okay, I'm not saying he's going to make you 100% every perfect person, uh, but he will heal our needs. 
I mean, he's, he's got to. He's got to. That's who he is. That's what he said he came to do, and he's still here to do it. If we believe he's alive, if we believe he cares, amen. To preach deliverance to the captives, freedom, deliverance, liberty, it means freedom, forgiveness, release of your bondage to the captives. Amen. Some people need to be delivered. What kind of bondage are we in tonight? What kind of bondage are you? You cannot deliver yourself. You can't deliver yourself from sin, and you can't deliver yourself from some of these other things that people battle with. You know, some things we can do better in, some things we can increase in, but some things we've got to be delivered. And Jesus is the deliverer. I thought about World War II and Europe in World War II. They had to be delivered. They didn't have the strength to cast off the oppression they were under. There were some of them that were working at it. They were fighting at it. They were going against it. But they had to have deliverance, right? That's what we were all about, this country and other countries that went in there and delivered them from that oppression. They had to have a stronger man come in and cast off that which was oppressing them. We need a stronger man, and Christ is that stronger man. He has the power. Amen. He is the liberator. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised. Oh, excuse me. The recovering of sight to the blind. Amen. Thank God we've been called out of darkness. Thank God we've got our vision back. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 17 very quickly here. Ephesians 1, 17. So, well, Brother Sanford, that all sounds good. Ephesians 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. How does that happen? Can you just read your, your way into that? Amen. Can you just study your way into that? I just studied myself into being a Christian. I studied myself into living free from sin. No, it took deliverance to do that. It took God opening our eyes, enlightening our eyes to see what we're a part of. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Do we realize the hope of his calling, this calling to salvation? Do we realize the hope that is in that? The hope of eternal life, the hope to have our needs taken care of, amen, our inner needs. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead? It's that resurrecting power. You know what? That resurrecting power that overcame death, that's the power that we need to overcome whatever we're struggling with. That power that raised us from the dead. It raised us from the dead. Amen. Amen. We were dead in trespasses and sins and the power of God. Because we believed, amen, because we called upon him, 
And because we believed in his word, what he would do, I mean, that, that's what it was with me. I knelt down right here at an altar at, at, down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or out, out from Hattiesburg. And the man on the other side uh, knelt there with me and pointed some scripture to me and said, if you'll, if you'll put your trust in God, if you'll confess and forsake your sins, I think he gave me Proverbs uh, uh, 28, 13, uh, uh, gave me that, said, if you'll confess and forsake your sins and believe on Christ, he'll deliver you. And he didn't flinch when he said it. He was confident because there was a whole room of witnesses there that could testify that he had done it for them. And you know what? After I got through crying, <laughs> I poured, or as I was crying, I poured my heart out to him. I said, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this horrible mess I'm in, I'll do whatever I can to live for you. I'll give up anything I have to give up. I just want to be, I want to be free from this. And brother, I got up from there. And of course, before that, the devil comes down. The devil comes along because he, he didn't want that to happen, right? Uh, the devil comes along after I got through praying and he said, you know nothing happened. Nothing. I didn't feel anything. He said, you know nothing happened. You know what I said? I said, I believe that he did it. I believe that he did it. I took that one stand. The devil's going to contest whatever uh, we're trying to do. He's going to come. He's going to try to put unbelief on me. I said, no, I believe that he did it. And I got up from there, saints, you know what? He did it. I got up from there, a new creature. I got up there and joy flooded my soul. Uh, Brother, I felt that old weight of sin lift off of me. Uh, uh, I felt like a human being again. Hey, man, felt like a thousand watts of light was just flooding through my soul and coming out every pore of my being. Amen, and I was free. And I looked down there at the end of the altar. My wife, my girlfriend at that time was down there, and she was getting the same thing, thank the Lord. Deliverance. Now, that, do y'all doubt that happened? No, you don't doubt that happened. You know that happened. Amen. What about these other promises that he came to us and said he would do? He'll heal the broken. He healed my broken heart. Man, I had some broken-hearted things I didn't think about all the time. I didn't think about every day. But my heart had been broken. But as saved people, our heart gets broken sometimes too. We go through some things sometimes too. Jesus came to heal us. God help us to get a hold of that. That he loves us. That he's alive. That his power is not diminished one bit. And he wants to help us. Amen. He wants to put us together. He wants to heal us. And I can't do it. And Brother Goble can't do it. We don't have the words. We don't have the means to put people together as they need to be put together. But we know who does. Jesus Christ, that same Christ that rose from the dead. Amen. Rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, is there right now making intercession. He'll make intercession for you if you're lost tonight. He'll make intercession for you, and you can be delivered just like I was delivered, just like these good saints were delivered. Amen. And have peace in your soul. And there's nothing like that, brother. There's nothing like having peace in your soul. When every alt that you ever did and every sin that you ever committed is washed away and not laid to your charge anymore. There is nothing like that. And knowing you don't have to go back to them. And enjoy peace and enjoy holiness 
and enjoy the, the, the joy of the things of God. It, it's, it's here. It's here for you right now. Amen. All right. Set at liberty them that are bruised, them that are crushed, them that are shattered. He came to free us, set us at liberty from those things that have crushed us and shattered us. There are so many things in this life that shatter people, so many things that have crushed down people. Amen. Been crushed down by life, by people, by circumstances. And folks try to live with that. But yet Jesus said, I come to liberate you. I came to free you. Does not Jesus know? Does, does he not care? Does he not understand? Amen. And will he not fill all of our needs? That's what he came to do. That's what he stood up and read. He wasn't, he wasn't doing that lightly. He said, I am the fulfillment of this. I have come to heal the broken heart. I've come to free the captives. I've come to bring deliverance to you. That's all we're God we're talking about. Amen. Amen. He says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We won't turn there. I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 and 2 says, We then as workers together with him, Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. This is, this is the accepted time. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And it has been ever since he stood up and read those words. Now is the accepted time. There's going to come a time it's not going to be accepted anymore. There's going to come a time when we're going to be ushered into judgment. And all this, all this opportunity will be passed. But right now is the accepted time. I... I just feel convinced that if God would minister to souls and if he would minister through his word to souls, and I trust he has, amen, that he would give you every opportunity to have whatever you stand in need of him. And I'm not talking about a magic show. And I'm not talking about a, a bunch of fantasy type stuff, you know. God can do, he'll do anything or whatever. No, but he does, he'll, he wants to do those things that he said he would do. Amen. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to strengthen us. And most of all, he wants to deliver us from our sins. Last scripture, Matthew 11. <clears throat> and verse 28, as you probably well knew. Here's Jesus. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that still real for us today? Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. People's souls are in turmoil, they're in chaos. They're in confusion. There's just all kind of stuff going on in people that's just, just 
bringing torment to their lives. And Christ has peace. He can impart peace to your soul. You know, I think about, I think about uh, when they were out on, that, on the sea and the storm came up. And, all, and Jesus was asleep, right, on the pillow. And all the, all the uh, disciples are going, Don't you care that we perish? <laughs> and he gets up and he says, Peace, be still. Did he do it? Did that really happen? Is that just a story? No. He cared. Peace, be still. And there was what? A great calm. He still, he's, he still does it today, saints. Lost soul, if you're here tonight, he still, he can do that. He will just say, speak peace to your soul. I can't do that. I, I, don't, I don't have those words. I don't have that ability. I don't have that power to speak peace to your soul. But I can definitely point you in the right direction. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This invitation that Jesus makes here is definitely for the lost. Jesus invites you to come and find rest for your soul. But saints are sometimes heavy laden by life and circumstances and cares. And this invitation is to us as well. Amen. Do we believe that Jesus has rest for us? Yes, we believe. We do. Amen. And I've already said, I don't have the knowledge, the insight, the ability to say the words that would break your chains or that would heal your wounds, but Christ is able to speak peace to your soul without any words at all. Amen. Whether you're a saint, whether you're a sinner, whether you're young or old or wealthy or poor, it does not matter. None of that matters with Christ. Jesus is here to meet our needs. No one else can do what he is able to do. Amen. I've already said he knows that neither Brother Goble nor myself nor any other minister can supply all of your needs. They are too great. Our needs are too deeply buried in our hearts and our souls. We can't do it. Man can't do it. But we can point you to Christ and he can do it. And that's all we're trying to do tonight is point you to Christ. There's no need to be walking around with sin in our life. There's no need to be walking around with brokenness or these things when we can come to Christ. Amen. Would you come tonight, whatever your needs are? Amen. He is the Messiah. He is the Deliverer. He is the God of the bruised reed, and he's here to help us. Amen. Thank you for your time.